Our service tonight as we gather together to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And we're going to commence our worship by turning to the words of the Psalm 147. Uh, the Psalm 147, as we said this morning, if you have a bulletin, uh, you'll notice uh, that, <coughs> you will notice that the hymns are wrong. Uh, this evening's hymns in the bulletin were the hymns we sang this morning and the hymns that... Uh, we sang, or we were to sing this morning, or the hymns we will sing uh, this evening. And so there was a mix-up, uh, but uh, hopefully we'll get it right uh, this evening. And we'll start with Psalm 147. Praise God, tis good and pleasant and comely to adore. 147, the Psalms, the back of the hymnal, will stand as we worship, please. Oh, 
be seated. And we're going to turn this evening in the Word of God to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, the 24th gospel, or the 24th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. <clears throat> Matthew 24, we'll read from the verse 36. The Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 24 is dealing with the signs of the coming again of the Savior. He speaks concerning the second coming, and Christ is coming again uh, to take his people home, to judge this world as well. And so this chapter deals with all of those matters. We'll read from verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Amen. And may the Lord bless in the reading of his precious word this evening. And let us unite in prayer and seek the Lord as we come and worship him tonight. Let us pray. Return God, loving Father in heaven tonight that we can be found in thy presence and we thank thee we can lift our voices to thee uh, rejoicing in uh, thee and in thy gospel and in that great reality here that we have freedom to meet with thee our God and father we thank thee remind ourselves that the Savior is coming again and uh, that one in thy time and in that day of thy choosing, uh, we rejoice that our Savior will come to judge this world and to take his redeemed people to be with him. And Lord, we rejoice that as thy people, uh, we are safe, we are secure. We thank thee that we are not trusting in a mere hope uh, that Christ is our Savior, but we thank thee with certainty that we know that he is our Savior, that we know that he is our King, that we know that he is our Redeemer, the Redeemer of those who have turned in faith and repentance and placed their trust in him alone. And we thank thee that he has power to see. And we are tonight not considering a Savior who is weak, a Savior who is incapable of redeeming us. But we thank thee that he is mighty to see voice tonight in the account found in thy word of the mighty saving power of our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee that we are not preaching a dry gospel or a dead gospel, but the gospel is alive and the gospel has power. And we thank thee tonight that it is a life-changing gospel. 
It is a gospel that saves sinners. It is a gospel that redeems the weary soul. It is a gospel that sets our feet upon that path, that narrow road that leads to heaven and to our eternal home. Tonight, Father, we pray for the gospel. We pray that as we consider it this evening, that thou would teach us in the gospel and help us to understand more and more of the gospel. Father, may we have that desire to go out uh, into uh, those places we live and to live out the gospel and to speak the gospel and to tell others their great need of a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we look to thee that thou would bless us tonight, bless the preaching of thy word, move in our land, move in our area here to the glory of thy name. We do remember our sister congregations. We pray thou would bless them this evening. Bless us as a denomination. We think of our mission work as well. And Lord, many opportunities to reach out with the gospel of Christ, to serve thee, to hold high the banner of the cross. And we look to thee that thou would give us grace, give us humility, give us that dependence upon thee uh, that we need to live for thee and to serve thee. And Lord, may we not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And Father, tonight may we rejoice that the gospel that saved us is thy power. And we pray and look and desire that others too would know the power of Christ in his gospel. Father, we do look to thee this evening. We pray for thy hand to be upon us. Thy hand to be upon us as a congregation. Bless us, keep us, help us to serve thee. We do remember those who are in need and we pray that thou would be pleased to meet each one at the point of their need, glorifying thy name. We do remember the family conference that is planned for Labor Day, August, September. Lord, bless the plans. Bless our brother, the Reverend Wagner, as he comes to minister thy word. And Lord, may it be a blessed time there in Williams League, uh, worshiping together, fellowshipping together, as we consider uh, the great truths of thy gospel. And Lord, we look to thee for thy blessing, for thy hand to be upon us. Do us good, we pray, and glorify thy name. Uh, we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. I'm going to turn again in our hymnals to the hymn 43. Uh, the hymn 43, O Saviour, precious Saviour, whom yet unseen we love. The hymn 43 will stand again as we sing, please.
be seated. We're turning tonight in the Word of God to Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7. The chapter that puts us right in the middle of one of the greatest events uh, to fall upon the face of this earth, uh, the flood uh, that took place in the days of Noah. And in chapter 7, the ark has been built and Noah is entering that ark uh, for the salvation of himself and his family. And we'll read from verse number 1. Genesis 7, verse 1, let us hear the word of God. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the earth by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, and of fowls and of everything that creepeth upon the earth. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed, and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. And all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, 
both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth an hundred and fifty days. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his precious word this evening. We do extend a warm word of welcome to each gathered in to the house of God this evening. Uh, to those watching online, we welcome you as well. And we trust the Lord's blessing as we meet together for worship tonight. Do you remember the uh, various announcements? They are in the bulletin. Uh, we have on Wednesday our prayer meeting and Bible study, 7.30 p.m. And we encourage you to come in person. And if you can't meet in person, then we meet on Zoom as well. And so if uh, you don't have the link for that, please let me know and we can send that to you, adding you to uh, that particular list. Next Lord's Day, the services, we have 9.30 in the morning, the Sunday School for Children and Adults, 10.30 in the morning worship, 5.30 the prayer meeting, 6 p.m. the evening worship, and that is followed uh, by our usual food and fellowship next Sunday because it is the last Lord's Day of the month. Sunday the 10th of March, after the evening service at 7.20, we have a baptismal service uh, of uh, our young brother Cole, and so do uh, remember that. If you are interested in baptism, do speak to me, and uh, speak to myself as soon as possible, and there will be some food and fellowship after that uh, service as well. On Friday the 29th of March, uh, we have our Good Friday service at 4 p.m., followed by food and fellowship uh, downstairs. So do remember that. It is a little in advance, and it is something that usually happened uh, before COVID and the vacancy, and uh, we're coming back uh, to that this year. Do you remember the carpet cleaning rota, the Western Canada Family Conference? I won't go over those announcements tonight, uh, but they are in the bulletin, and so do uh, remember them. Uh, do remember my wife and myself, we travel to Calgary on Thursday evening. I'm preaching at a wedding uh, in Canmore on Friday, and then we fly back on Saturday. Uh, so do pray uh, for the young couple that are getting married. They did worship with us on a Sunday morning back in November, and uh, they, uh, the, uh, the wife uh, will at uh, does attend Calgary Church, and uh, that's where they will be attending after uh, the wedding ceremony as well. So do remember that. We're going to preach the gospel of Christ, and we would value your prayers as we do so, and as the gospel is presented. We're going to turn on our hymnals to the hymn 417. Uh, 417. Behold the amazing gift of love the Father hath bestowed on us, the sinful sons of men, to call us sons of God. 417, and we will remain seated while our tithes for the Lord's work are received.
our Heavenly Father, we thank you for blessing us, dear God, for uh, gathering us together tonight to listen to your word. And we pray, Lord, that you bless us and uh, bless also these tithes and these offerings that it will be used for thy kingdom's sake. Be with our pastor as he preach. Help him, Lord, to uh, preach with boldness and with authority from from you, O God. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's time to sing. I will sing verse 4, verse 5, verses 4 and 5 of 4, 17. seated. We're turning again in the Word of God to Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7. And as you turn to that, I was made aware of this weekend and on my Facebook account, memories come up every so often. And there were memories that started to come up from a few days ago of traveling to Vancouver in 2017. Uh, a picture uh, came up of my uh, rucksack that I took with me uh, that had my laptop and various things in it and the suitcase I used. And that bag had traveled with me about 100,000 miles at that point in time. And uh, I was thinking of that this morning. It was in our office this morning here at the church. It's still going strong. Uh, Nearly 10 years later, uh, seven years since it was originally here. And this weekend marks uh, my first time coming uh, to Canada and preaching in Canada and uh, preaching uh, to the congregation here. And I remember a few faces. I remember Brother Alan uh, picked me up in downtown Vancouver. Reverend Gallagher uh, was away at his son's wedding. Uh, Brother Alan picked me up. Uh, We went to a creation conference. And then uh, the next uh, day we had a fellowship uh, with the Rusmas and, of course, the congregation here uh, as uh, we preached. And then the Reverend Gallagher came back uh, the next day and I ended up going across then, uh, which was the original plan all along, to preach in Victoria. Uh, But it was good at that time to come and to see uh, the work here and uh, to be with you. And little did we know uh, what the Lord had in store in the future. Certainly I had uh, no idea uh, myself, and, uh, but it was a blessing uh, to be among the people of God. And that was seven years ago uh, this particular uh, weekend. And so it's good 
uh, to reflect upon that and look at the mercies of God and the leading and guiding of God uh, over that time. And that was still, I think, about two and a half years before I met my wife as well, as my very first time coming to Canada. And uh, I had, well, various views about that. As I said before, uh, the traffic was at uh, the traffic, the driving on the wrong side of the road. I was glad to get home, uh, but I remember still struggling when I got home of driving uh, on the wrong side. I went to take a turn to see a lady in the church I assisted in, and I almost ended up in the right lane off the road going up to her house instead of the left lane, uh, which is the proper lane in the United Kingdom. And so it took me a little while to get Canada out of my system. I'm dreading back. I'm dreading going back to Ulster anytime soon because I've been driving around here for four years now, and I'm pretty much rooted on what uh, you would say is the right side of the road and what we would say in the United Kingdom, the wrong side of the road. Uh, but uh, we trust uh, that if that ever happened, the Lord would bless. But I've got used to it, and it's a great joy and privilege to be here and reflect back seven years ago when thinking, little did we know where the Lord would lead and guide us. Uh, but his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we'll come to the Word of God this evening then. Uh, Genesis chapter 7, uh, the verse 1. And it says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Amen. Let us unite together and let us pray. Our eternal God and loving Father in heaven, we thank Thee we can come to Thee tonight. We thank Thee that we can consider uh, Thy precious Word and uh, we can rejoice uh, in the great gospel truth that is found uh, woven throughout all the story of Noah and the flood. And we thank Thee there's a great type of Christ here of how the Lord Jesus is the great ark of his people. Father, we rejoice that we can be here to preach thy word. We have reflected back on seven years ago and marvel at, thou, at how thou hast led and guided ever since. We thank thee we can come and worship thee this evening together to preach thy word, to consider thy truth together. And we pray that thou would bless and that we would tonight have that love, have that desire to hear the Word of God, not merely words that may have been prepared in a study, but, Lord, words that will be driven into our hearts by Thy Spirit. May we desire Thy Spirit to speak to our hearts this night, to preach to us, and to apply Thy precious Word. Lord, give us help, we pray. Uh, we depend upon Thee, and we rest upon Thee uh, for help and strength tonight for the preaching and hearing of Thy truth. Bless us. Do us good. Uh, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke chapter 24, or Matthew 24, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, 
until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the Lord Jesus Christ is emphasizing here that the wickedness of man in the days of Noah and the fact that his life was spent focusing upon the enjoying the desires of the flesh was something that marked those days and will mark the days that are to come, the last days, those days that perhaps we can say that we are living in. The Apostle Peter reminds us in 2 Peter 3 that while men will mock the thought of the coming again of the Savior, they will mock that. They ought not to mock because God has sent judgment before. In the past, the world was changed. In the past, the world stopped, as it were, for a moment of time as the world was judged in the days of Noah. God has sent judgment before. God has judged the world before. And the great message that comes out of the story and account of Noah and the flood in the ark is this, that God in his time and in his season will do it again for the last time. There is no doubt that in the days of Noah, as revealed by Holy Scripture, there was much sin and much wickedness. The reformer John Calvin describes it as such. Men were immersed in their delights and pleasures. They were like animals, he said, for their lack of restraint, in their whoremongering, in their drunken escapades and other acts. Their scorn for God, their godlessness, their idolatry, their extortions, and their tyrannical deeds dominated everything held sacred. There was much wickedness going on, and we can see, well, is John Calvin talking about today? The Savior, is he talking about today? Most certainly he is. The wickedness that we see around us reflects that which took place in the days of Noah. And one of the great causes of this wickedness in Genesis chapter 6 is the failure of discernment about marriage. Genesis 2 verse, or Genesis 6 verse 2, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. There was a wickedness here. And wickedness was the fruit of marriages that were entered into without any thought of God. The importance of matrimony, the importance of marriage and its godly purpose and its pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ and his love and his death for his church was not considered whatsoever. It was a foreign and alien concept to them. And we find that men did not discern. The sons of God saw the daughters of men, not that they were sinners, not that they were ungodly, not that they were individuals that they should separate from, but rather they were fur, they were beautiful, and they took them wives of all that they chose. Man continued in a downward spiral. And he mixed together what God had set apart for himself and what God had separated unto himself, the sons of God and the daughters of men and the offspring had no thought of God nor any knowledge of what was right. Book of Proverbs tells us that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. And how true that is. We all believe we're right on some things. 
We all believe, or some of us may believe, we're right on everything. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, and the fool will say he is right. But yet, reality tells us that often the fool has it wrong. He's relying upon himself. And we can think we're right about so many things. And tonight, if you're in your sin and you're not trusting the Savior, you can think your way and your path is right. It's not God's way. It's not God's path. It is your path. And you may think it is right, but it is the way of a fool because it goes outside what the Word of God tells us. There is a standard that man sets up for himself that is fluid and always changing. No fear of the Lord. God's standard is rigid and it is firm and it does not change. When we come to Genesis 6, these individuals should have been calling upon the Lord. They should have been worshiping him as families. They should have realized that others had been set apart as the Lord's people. And they should have listened uh, to the great accounts that came from that godly line of how man had sinned and how he had forsaken God and how he ought to repent and serve the Lord. But instead, they polluted themselves. They embraced sin and wickedness. And the result was a society that despised and rejected God's institution of marriage as seen here in Genesis 6, but also many other things and many other sins because the Lord says about the wickedness of man being great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. When we think of the wickedness and the vileness that went on in those days, the record of Noah and his ark is a very serious and solemn account. Men will doubt it today. They will say it never happened. It's a fairy tale. There'll be those who will go to the children's book and they will draw the ark. And there'll be no hint of death in that picture. No hint of judgment or the justice of God. But there'll be a boat and the giraffe is so tall his head has to stick out of the window. And the elephant is looking out of another window. And Noah's there and he's got birds on him and monkeys on him and whatever else around him. It's a pleasure cruise. It points not to the fact that this is a record of the judgment of God, but rather this is something, something fun, something enjoyable. We need to be careful. And dear child of God, you need to be careful as well that we do not take the solemnity of the scriptural account concerning any of these matters and dilute it and water it down and change it from what it is to what it is not. The story of Noah's Ark reminds us about the judgment of God. It reminds us that God judged sin. And it reminds us that in the future, God will one day judge sin again. Hollywood takes artistic license and changes this whole account and takes away the strong message of judgment and salvation found within it. We've seen that in the last decade or two with accounts by Hollywood of 
this very event. And the period in which Noah lived was a time when the wickedness of man was great. Great wickedness, great sin. We live in such a day. We live in such a day. But in the midst of it all, God is gracious. God provides a way of salvation. He speaks to Noah and tells him to build an ark to the saving of his house. For 120 years, there was God's mercy in constructing the ark, the way of salvation, in preaching. Those days came to its end when Methuselah, whose name means when I am dead, it shall be sent, was on his deathbed. And God comes here in Genesis chapter 7. Methuselah is believed to have died the year the flood came. And God comes to Noah. And Noah, guided by the Lord, had prepared the ark to the saving of his house. And the Lord comes and offers a merciful invitation to him and his family. Come now and all thy house into the ark. And as we meet at worship tonight, we all have different needs. Different needs as families. Different needs as individuals. Needs in the workplace and needs in the business. Needs in the home. Needs within the church. But there is a need that we all have and that is a spiritual need. And some of us, that need has been met by Christ. And that need has been resolved. And we've entered into the ark that is a picture of Christ. But for others, that spiritual need remains. And though you hear about it, and though you consider it, that need still remains. And that invitation is there, come thou into the ark. There is no assurance for you because when the judgment of God comes upon the sinful world, the believer is in the ark of Christ. But where are you? And the spiritual situation that we find ourselves in is typified by what we have in the book of Genesis and Noah and the flood. We have God shutting the door. We have the judgment coming down. We have the waters rising. We have men. And we have women. We have young people and children who never trusted Christ. They're not in sitting down with Noah having a cup of tea while outside the world is perishing. They're part of the world that is perishing. The door has been closed. It is too late. And as the waters come down and as the waters rise, they face the wrath of God for their sin and for their rebellion. But there is mercy because God prepared an ark for the saving of Noah and his family. And so tonight, I want us to consider very simply coming to the ark Come into the ark. And firstly, I want you to see come because it is necessary for your salvation. Come because it is necessary for your salvation. One of the greatest words in the gospel is that simple word, come. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, the Savior said. Here in Genesis 7, for Noah to be saved, he had to come. He had to come into the ark. God was not telling him to leave, to go. God was telling him to come. Come unto me. Come unto the place of refuge. 
Come unto that place where there is safety for your soul. And this is a solemn invitation here. Come thou and all thy house into the ark. It was a vital invitation, a merciful invitation, a necessary invitation. And to understand its importance and necessity, we have to see the sin and wickedness that abounded in the earth. We have considered that to some extent already. But this sin of man grieved the God of heaven. We find there were giants in the land. There have been different views about whether these individuals, the sons of the daughters of men and the sons of the sons of men with the daughters of men, that's getting confusing, uh, the offspring of the daughters of men and the sons of God. There are those who believe that they were giants, giants in the land, and uh, the sons of God were angels who came down, and therefore there were giants as a result of that. There are others, and I would fall into this particular persuasion, uh, that the giants in the land were those who were great sinners. That is the position of John Calvin. Now one calls giants those who were feared and dreaded and made everyone to tremble at their presence. Therefore, the word does not only refer to physical height and the size of the body, but it also means to fall, and one who would cause others to fall because of sin. The idea being they were giants regarding sin. Giants in wickedness, giants in corruption. And man was perpetually doing or thinking about wickedness. And we have in Psalm 14 those words, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. And they live without thought of God. And how sad it is to see many today who live without any thought of God. God's not in their mind. He's not upon their thoughts. He's not guiding their actions because they believe he does not exist. They live without any thought of him. And this is what was happening in Genesis 6. And we see then the judgment coming down upon it. There's a solemnity here. There's also this urgency. Because the judgment was coming. And salvation was necessary. This call, come thou into the ark. Matthew Henry said it is a very kind call. It's a call of a tender father to his children to come indoors when he sees the night or the storm coming. It's a tender call. I remember being out in the street. It's coming to dinner time or it's late at night. And my mother used to call. She couldn't text in those days uh, because we didn't have uh, cell phones back in the 1990s. And she used to stand uh, and, and yell. Maybe it was more like screaming, but she yelled and she shouted for us. She didn't know where we were. She wasn't going to come and look for us. And she uh, was shouting, come, and shouting our names. You know, dinner's ready. Come, it's time for bed. And wherever we may have been, uh, we heard. And we knew, well, if we delay this, we're going to get into trouble and bother. And so we had to come straight away. And of course, as a child, you think of that as quite the demand uh, because you're having fun. But yet the call that comes here is a call that's of love and grace. And of course, Mother knew it was time for bed. It was for our good as well. But the Lord's call here is that it's tender. Noah 
come into the ark. Come into that place of safety. It's necessary for you to come because of sin and because of the judgment that is coming upon the world. It's a loving call. It's a loving call. And we're reminded here in Genesis 6 verse 3, the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. The day was coming when God's mercy would end. The day is coming tonight to those who are in their sins that God's mercy to you in life and in your breath and in gospel privileges and hearing the great news of salvation, that will come to an end. The day was coming. As God said, men would die for their sins. Men would die for their sins. There was a need to come. If Noah had ignored this call, what would have happened? He would be outside the ark. He would have perished. He would have perished. And the cry goes forth in the gospel, come, it is necessary for you to come to Christ. It is necessary for you to come and accept this tender call from the Savior because judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And without Christ, your soul will be lost. Why did the Savior come into the world to save sinners? The time is coming when it will not, it will be too late. And what does God say? In Genesis chapter 6, he speaks about 120 days. 120 days. And there is an acknowledgement here that man is limited. Man is limited. That's the life expectancy of man here in this particular chapter. 120 days and judgment will be coming. Judgment would come. And what a reminder that is that we are flesh. That one day we will die. Our days are limited. Our days are limited. We may think we could live forever. But that is not the case. Life is so short and so sudden death can come so suddenly or do you, you think of your limit tonight have you thought that one day the end will come one day as the word of God says you've had that time to be born one day that time to die will come and what if your soul is it ready is it ready to meet the Savior? Are you ready to go home with the Lord? What a warning there is. This invitation goes forth because it is necessary. It is necessary. And that is the great message of the gospel. Enter into Christ. Enter into the ark of Christ or be lost. When we think of the flood and the flood coming upon the earth, it came in the second month. There was freshness and life was abundant. There was no evidence of destruction coming. The only strange thing for those around Noah was that he was building an ark, that he was preaching that the end was coming, but yet he was looking. You could look around and where is the evidence? There is no evidence. Life was continuing and life continued for 120 years. And entering into the ark, it looked like leaving life behind and entering into death and how many think of that 
leaving this world and leaving the sin of this world and leaving the great social life you can have in this world feels like you're leaving life behind and you're entering into Christ and well Christians have to go to church and Christians read their Bible and Christians pray and Christians don't do these things and they don't engage in these sins and maybe it feels that you're leaving life behind and embracing death by accepting Christ your life is over in your mind well how true that isn't it's lies it's a falsehood we can think of that with the ark they would have thought well if we go into this ark everything looks normal everything looks fine but as they went in there was life inside the ark there was death outside and though the ark in the minds of those who did not believe looked like death it was life it was life and Christ and living for Christ may not be attractive to you but it is the way of life and when you know the Savior and you're redeemed by the Savior and you know him as your master and as your king you'll see it is a way of life a way of peace a way of blessedness walking in his ways being fed by him come because it is necessary for your salvation but secondly I want you to see come because all is prepared for your salvation come for all is prepared for your salvation God in his divine mercy gave an invitation to Noah to come into the ark Sage Spurgeon while expounding verse 1 he said depart is the word of justice and judgment but come he said come is the word of mercy and grace and the Lord is saying come come it's like the king in the parable that Christ spoke of come for all things are ready come for it is all prepared come because salvation and everything that you need and everything that needs to be done for salvation is ready is ready the sinner will be told to depart forevermore but the saint will be told that word of compassion and love and mercy come come for everything has been prepared this was a personal invitation to Noah it was all prepared all prepared the Savior or the Word of God says Isaiah 55 verse 1 ho every one that thirsteth come ye to the waters and he that hath no money come ye buy and eat yea come buy wine and milk without money and without price oh, what a picture of that salvation we have here and the salvation of Christ come come and buy and eat those who have no money can come and buy without money it is free and entering into the ark it was that free invitation everything was prepared in Ephesians 2 we are reminded but now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh brought near by the blood of Christ for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us and this is what Christ has done in his death and in his salvation for us he is our ark Noah had to come I'm sure that he surveyed the ark and inspected the ark but those actions were not enough to save him 
building the ark was not enough to save him. He had to enter in. He had to come in. Those who could see the ark no doubt admired her. What a magnificent structure, 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. I remember we had a Bible club one time in the church that I attended at home, and it was all about creation and Noah's ark. And so it was measured out with balloons up and down the street, how long the ark might have been, and then how wide it might have been uh, throughout the church parking lot. And then they put the balloon up in the sky, and that showed how high uh, the ark was. And it was big. It was big. What a vessel. Built on land. Built on land. They could admire the craftsmanship. They could admire that this has been prepared for the salvation of humanity. But yet there could be no salvation for them if they just admire. And tonight you can admire the ark of Christ. You can look at the church and see the great blessing that the church is and look at the Savior and his love and his grace and his mercy. But if there is no repentance and faith in entering into the ark, how can there be salvation? How can there be salvation? It was prepared. And Noah had to enter in. And as Noah went into the ark, how do you walk through a door? Well, you put one foot in. And then the other foot follows. But Noah either had to go in or stay out. If you were to go out of church tonight and you stopped with one foot inside and one foot outside and I came to close the door, I'm not going to be able to close the door. You're stuck in the middle. You're stuck in the middle. Decide to go out or decide to stay in. But don't stand blocking the door. That's what some might say. You're either in or you're out. And over here he had to go in and God had to shut the door. With nobody in between trying to block the way, it was either in or out. And the thought here is that when it comes to salvation in Christ, we can't have Christ and our flesh and our sin and the world. It can't be done. We can't have a foot as it were, in the ark and a foot still in the world and expect everything to be okay and the door to close and ourselves to be saved. We're blocking the door. We cannot be saved. What a reminder it is, dear sinner, to forsake your sin, to leave it behind and to enter in. What a reminder, dear believer, for you that as one who has entered into the ark, the world has been left behind with its pleasures and its sins and its lusts and its temptations. There is a path now for Christ, living for the Savior, not living in this world, not having your foot in the world and clinging, as it were, to Christ to try and have the best of both worlds. It cannot be done. It cannot be done. It is one or the other. A man cannot have two masters. Two masters. Noah had to come and it was prepared. All had been done. God had given the plan. God had given the direction. God had given him the instructions there in Genesis 6. 
And the Lord has provided for our salvation through Christ. The Savior died upon Calvary. He shed his blood. He finished the work. Oh, that you would enter in to that ark that has been prepared. If you were on a ship that was sinking, in order to be saved, you must enter into the lifeboat. If you stay in the lifeboat, you go down with the ship. Let's consider there's enough lifeboats. We know a circumstance in history where that was not the case. But there's enough lifeboats. The men don't need to be brave and let the women and children go first. They can go on the lifeboats. And so there's room for all who come, all who step into the lifeboat. But would you not step in? Who would want to go down with the ship when there is a way of safety and salvation open to you? And there's a way of safety and salvation because this world is sinking in sin and will be destroyed. And if you stay outside of the lifeboat, you will perish. The hymn writer said, come to the ark, come to the ark. To Jesus, come away. The pestilence walks forth by night. The arrow flies by day. Come to the ark. Or yet the flood, your lingering steps oppose. Come for the now, come for the door which once open stood is now about to close. And God shut the door of the ark. Verse 16. They all went in, they obeyed God. They obeyed the invitation to come. Verse 16 of chapter 7. And the Lord shut him in. The Lord shut him in. That brings us to our next thought. Come, because all is sufficient for your salvation. The Lord is in control of this. He's in control of the invitation. He's in control of the ark. And they were to come. They were shut in. Come, because all is sufficient for your salvation. And the sufficiency of salvation is seen in the ark. The ark itself was a sufficient means of the Lord's salvation for Noah and his family. No one was deemed righteous. For thee have I seen righteous in before me in this generation. He was a man who loved the Lord. Those who are righteous, those who are righteous because of Christ, they can rest secure knowing that salvation is sufficient. Noah's ark was a sufficient ship. God had given the directions wasn't going to hit an iceberg and sink like that famous ship that we referred to as not having enough lifeboats. It was going to persevere. It was going to be sufficient. It was going to save the world. We're here tonight because that ship did not sink, because it was successful. It was God's plan of salvation. And we can look at that and it points us to Christ. It points us to the Savior who is sufficient. He died upon Calvary. He cried out, it is finished. The work was done. There is nothing we need to do. Though churches may say that we need to do this and we need to do that, the answer is simple. We need to repent and believe the gospel. We need to trust in Christ. We don't need years of prayers or years of religious service or years of paying into the church or whatever it might be. 
It is simply believing in Christ, believing his gospel, coming into the ark because it is all done. It is all accomplished. It is sufficient. It is sufficient. Whenever the Philippian jailer looked upon Paul and Silas, and he realized the prisoners were there, Acts 16, he realized that what they had been singing about was truly the gospel, truly was of God. What did he say? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And how did the apostle respond? What did Paul say? Oh, well, you need to start coming to church and not miss a service. When the offering basket comes by, you need to put something in. Not just, I think it's called a toonie here, one dollar. I wonder if I've got that right. We call it a quid, one pound in the United Kingdom. Uh, But a toonie, you put a toonie in. I put a toonie in. I'm good. Oh, Paul didn't say you need to put more than that in. And you need to show kindness. And uh, you need to, you know, be nice to your neighbor. And, you know, here's a list. An epistle I wrote to somebody else. Here's a list of everything you need to do. All the things that you must adhere to. And then that's how you're saved. If you go to Acts 16, verse 31, you'll see the answer of Paul. It's none of that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Simply looking to Christ, believing in him, repenting. Believing in him is repenting of your sin, having faith in him, coming to the ark, coming to him. How simple it is. How simple it is. And here was a simple way of salvation. It is not complicated. But man makes it complicated. Man makes it complicated. Come into the ark. Tonight will you come? Noah, as a father, came to the ark. He set the example for his family. He led his household. They followed. They were delivered. There was no delay. There was no delay. Those matters were of the utmost urgency. And so were matters of salvation. The hymn writer said, Come to the Savior, make no delay. Here in his word he has shown us the way. Here in our midst he's standing today, tenderly, saying, come. Tonight, will you accept the invitation? Will you come into the ark of Christ, knowing that it is sufficient, knowing that though the storms of life will assail you, knowing that you have to move from life to death, that that ark is sufficient to save you and to redeem you, no matter how great your sin might be, it is sufficient to redeem your soul. May you look to Christ tonight And may you know him as your own and as your personal Savior. Amen. Amen. Let us turn in our hymnals in closing to the hymn 325. The hymn 325. Look to the Lamb of God. Look to the Lamb of God. For he alone is able to save you. Look to the Lamb of God. I didn't pick the hymns today. And part of the issue with the bulletin was I wrote them down wrong. Uh, But uh, this was the closing hymn for this evening's service. And uh, those that chose this hymn did not know what we were preaching on tonight. Uh, But how true it is. Look to the Lamb of God. 
look to the Lamb of God and to know Christ as Savior, to know peace, the forgiveness of sins. What are you all to do? What are we to do? We look to the Lamb of God, the Savior of sinners. The hymn 325, if you from sin are longing to be free, look to the Lamb of God. We'll stand to sing, please. Father in heaven, we thank thee tonight for thy word. And we thank thee for the wonderful and simple message of the gospel. And we thank thee Noah obeyed, and he did come into the ark. And Father, we pray this evening for those outside of the kingdom of God, that they would indeed come into the ark and make sure of their soul's salvation. Lord, bless us this week. Give us opportunities to serve thee and to evangelize for our Savior. Give us opportunities to in all that we do to glorify thy name. And Lord, bless us as thy people and as thy flock. And may the love of God, our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen.